You guys know that I was here all weekend, right? Yeah. Yes, you were upstairs. Yeah. You would testify to that? Yeah. I would take a bullet for you. You know that. That is comforting. That's how I am. That's how I roll. That's how I do. <laughs> I like the pets. Thank you. They're Costco. You can have them when you get a little taller if you want. I'm never going to go through puberty. Of course you will, baby. But we're a family of late bloomers. I didn't until I was 14, nor did Olive. Why does that matter? I'm adopted. What? Oh, my God! Who told you? Guys, we were going to do this at the right time. Listen to me. Sometimes, even when a man and a woman love each other very much, like your mother and I used to, their insides just don't cooperate with each other. What's going on, honey? Why do you want us to take a bullet if anyone asks if you were here all weekend? It's nothing. It's just the rumor mill. What's the rumor mill churning out these days? Anything interesting? You know, not really. Not really. It's a little low on grist. Oh, clever wordplay. I like it very much. You must be related to me. Only by marriage. Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike. And for our next film, we are talking the 2010 high school rom-com Easy A. It's cute, and it gets less cute every time I see it. Uh, this is round number three for me, and is that called you getting old? It might be, but I think I'm done. I'm th- I, I, despite the fact that the film is a crowd pleaser, and it, it, it tries hard. It tries very, very hard throughout. But I kept thinking to myself as the film was going on, why am I not watching Paper Towns right now? For whatever mm. reason, there is there is an honesty about Paper Towns that, and, and a, a, a very authenticity that I don't see in a lot of uh, high school films. And Easy A is no exception. This is obviously not the high school that I went to. I don't know if I don't know if anybody went to this high school. I don't know. I've never had a teacher who's that cool, you know, the, the way they, the, the vibe that you get from Thomas Hayden Church uh, or, or the guidance council, like it, all the scandalous stuff. Like I've, I've never really been a part of uh, any of that. There's an indescribable quality to certain movies that allow them to resonate with us. And I don't know why Easy A just doesn't have that quality. What about you? I mean, I had some cool teachers like that. I, I'm not going to get into <laughs> if there was anything scandalous. Uh, I think this is more you You have such an undying love for Lisa Kudrow and you don't like her being villainized. <laughs> I in don't this like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, That's one of the notes I had. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to see her like this. Not at all. I was thrilled to see her in uh, uh, Like a Boss. Which isn't a very good film, but I was like, Lisa Kudrow, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I, I just need to see her being appreciated. And this film does not appreciate her. It's weird that you pull out Paper Towns because I'm like, there's not an actor that connects the two, right? You're just talking about the teen sort of high school experience story. Yes, but... the, the hijinks, the vibe, the soul. 
Paper Towns has a soul. I don't know if EZA has a soul. It feels like a, a, a marketing... It feels like a bunch of people got together and be like, what would work? Like, And they look at templates of like Breakfast Club and, and all those other John Hughes films. Let's make an updated version of that for the 2010s and we'll feed it out. It's, it's well made and it tastes good and all that stuff. But yeah, there's something missing. There's a, there's a chef that's missing who that didn't come up with a recipe. I don't know why Paper Towns resonates with me as much as it does. But uh, yeah, EC just doesn't do it for me. I, I feel like Paper Towns is, you know, there's the longing. There's the sort of outsider vibe. Whereas this one is about a girl who's, she feels like an outsider, but I mean, she's like the smartest one in the room, that sort of thing. That's what makes her feel like an outsider. But I wouldn't say that the way she's presented that she's particularly troubled by that. She's just like, huh, it's kind of funny that, you know, I don't have a boyfriend and, uh, my idiot friends have all this going on, but she doesn't. I mean, she we're introduced to her <laughs> turning down, hanging out with her friends, so she can just be in her room alone, goofing off. That's where I fell in love with this movie because that was my yeah. high school yeah, experience, yeah. where she just took so much joy in being herself and being with herself, and was totally happy and cool with it. It reminded me of my favorite moment on uh, the Freaks and Geeks uh, television series where you have the character it's before the credits play before the, the theme song. And so it's just the little opening, uh, bumper comes home to watch his, uh, favorite, you know, comedy show. And is like eating junk food and just having a fucking blast by himself yeah. on the, in the living room. I love that. Cause I was like that, that to me was childhood in high school. So that stuff, you, that stuff you mentioned though, that is excellent. If there was, if that was the film and there was no, no problem, no climax. If that was just her living her best life with those wonderful parents, I think I would have gravitated towards it a little bit more. I did like it upon the, the first watch, and it just loses its charm for me each go-round. Hmm. I'm not going to talk shit about Paper Towns, because you, you and I share a strange love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do think that there's, you know, that is like literally a, a quest object movie where this yeah. this young man is trying to figure figure out this girl, figure out, you know, uh, his sort of place uh, in, in high school very late in the game. I do like that element about it, that he waits until the very last minute to like have a high school experience. But that, there's it's charming in that regard. Easy A, you know, this character takes it upon herself to create a high school experience that I don't think most of us would find appealing. And so I don't know about the messaging of the movie where they make it so enjoyable for Emma Stone to be slut shamed when she's not actually participating in the activities. Like it is a very breezy watch to what could be a very traumatic young adult <laughs> experience. And, yeah. and so I never really have wrapped my head around that aspect of it because, you know, while there's bullying for, for all uh, sexes, uh, I do think when it comes to sexual education that women, I'm, I'm saying it's a safe bet. Have it far worse than men. Like if I if I managed to sleep with a bunch of women in high school, my reputation would have <laughs> been boosted up <laughs> as opposed to me having the Emma Stone alone in her her bedroom experience. But I think it's a, a what I respond to is this is an old fashioned and I mean it's still just 2010. This feels like a relic. Paper Downs is 2015. It feels like it takes place. 
50 years after Easy A as far as like, okay, the, the people in that cast, none of them broke out and became stars. It was just like a very niche thing where it's like, okay, here's a, uh, I think John Green, I think is the author for, you know, the, the Fault in Our Stars. This fan base will respond to this. That's all. Easy A feels classic in the sense that we think we have a new movie star in our hands. And so here's the vehicle that will propel her to become a movie star. And I don't think that's attempted anymore. Like the poster is just Emma Stone. Uh, I always love reading the taglines way after the fact, right above the, uh, the poster is let's not and say we did. And I'm like, was that used ever again? Like, <laughs> like, <that's> like <laughs> whoever's in charge of the poster, they're really trying hard, even though she's got, you know, tramp, temptress, temptress, tart, all these things written around her. One that I don't like it. Easy is also written behind her. I'm like, it's in the fucking title. Like you're going to say easy a in the title. <laughs> like, yeah. Who got lazy with the poster, but this is an Emma Stone vehicle. And I admire that. And she lives up to it. She was, she was, you can tell, okay, yeah, she was going to have a very long, successful career. She was going to win an Oscar. She's going to be above the title movie star. I'm not going to go paper towns, but I do prefer, what's the director's name here? Will Gluck. Friends with Benefits that comes, I think, a year later. I prefer that one because I think that I'm just more comfortable with attacking someone's sexuality when they're two adults and the privacy of their own home. If they want to attack each other, I don't know how much fun I want to have with the slut shaming element of easy. I think they do the best that they can, but yeah, the premise is like, I, I avoided this theatrically. I just didn't really like the premise. And even though I liked Emma Stone coming off super bad, I had to catch up with this one probably after friends with benefits. So I'm the guy that uh, goes to Will Gluck's, um, modest success. And I was like, okay, I'll give your big hit a chance now. <laughs> I'll go back to Easy A. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing that you mentioned that that does stick out is like you're right. This all this could be very traumatic in terms of bullying. And and Emma Stone is is such a boss that she uh, she she plays the character very confidently, and it could speak to the character work that's happening because you're right. Like this could be traumatic for her, but. She is somebody who is incredibly confident, and uh, they they set that up with having two very supportive parents. That it, it could also be that she's going through this really rough patch, but still is able to understand that she's going to get through it, and it's going to be okay. And it's kind of a, a very, it is very satisfying how she kind of finds her way out of it by being like, "All right, I'm going to put all my cards out on the table," and she does that through the. YouTube live stream, I guess, uh, towards the end, which which frames the film. So I I did like that aspect of it. It absolutely is a vehicle for her. She is an she. I mean, she was the marketing. She was the marketing. Um, I think she broke out in in super bad. I don't know if this. I don't know if this was the film that established her. It it just it feels like a stepping stone. Like all right, this is the rise of Emma Stone. I think super bad is where she broke out. I would say I'm looking at the 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 arc. Uh, the help came out in 2011. Maybe that's where she went from you know the teenage roles from Superbad and Easy A and made the leap to something else. Which I'm <laughs> I'm going to say we probably will will never do the help on this <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> no, but I do remember that was that was a big big hit. Uh, and my girl Jessica Chastain uh, is in that film playing a dumb blonde, and that was that was what stuck with me. Not Emma Stone. Sorry, Emma.
I loved uh, Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson. My my wife, we've we've watched this a couple times together. I think I did a podcast on EZA with with Dave, and I have no idea what he he brought to the table. Presumably nothing, uh, you know, as as usual. <laughs> but <laughs> I do remember both times uh, watching it with my wife for you know podcasts that. She just she falls in love with uh, Stanley Tucci, Patricia Clarkson. Like she, she loves Emma Stone and she thinks she's funny and you know she likes seeing like a strong female character presented, especially in a high school experience where she's like taking ownership of this and it's someone empowering. However, and this is probably why you know we're meant to be together. We both just want to live in the world where Stanley Tucci is having a one man committee on which Netflix DVD to watch for family movie night. Like I could, I could just live in those scenes. I'm like, man, we could just stay. Why isn't this a family comedy? Just about the, you know, I guess because they don't appear to have much way of problems. They're such a positive uh, parental force, uh, even with her situation. Like they don't overstep. They kind of say, hey, you know, what's going on with you? You okay? But they don't. There's not a moment where there's like a falling out. Yeah. Family. In fact, it it just sets up a scene where Patricia Clarkson gets to talk about, you know, her slutty days in high school and Rebel and just <laughs> right. embarrass her daughter. It's just so oh, it's so good. Tucci and Clarkson together. And it's refreshing for a mom to be able to be that open with her daughter. And that's God, it's okay to talk about sex. And that's one thing I think the film does absolutely right, is that you've got these hijinks that are happening on the high school level, but but the adults, the uh, n- not so much Lisa Kudrow and Thomas Hayden Church, but the parental figures, because they're so open, you can see the effects on their child who is able to navigate this horrible situation and come out on top with the guy that, you know, she ultimately really likes too. And, and I, I think Patricia Clarkson is going to go on like the Tit Hall of Fame, the Trilogy and Theory Hall of Fame of actors. Yeah, she gets a lot of love on this show. It's, yeah, and it's not purposeful. We've not made the mistake of doing another trilogy on one actor like we did with Michael Sarah. No. <laughs> Patricia Clarkson has kind of become the de facto uh, face of the show. I'm fine with that. Yeah, uh, I God, I was hoping, not hoping, but because it'll never happen. But I was left wanting that easy a prequel. Uh, hard C, I guess, hard conception, I don't know, uh, uh, where we follow uh, Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson's character and they're trying to have maybe that second child or whatever, whatever it is, that uh, and them getting together because they just seem, uh, uh, and they are just lovable characters. You absolutely um, want to spend as much time with them. You want them to be your parents. And I think that's the greatest compliment you can give uh, those two performances. So uh, that's the movie that I that I wanted. I think at the end of this, I was like, I want to see more of them. Who owns this now? Was this a Fox release? Is there a possibility that Disney now owns this? Because Ooh, I don't, you, I don't want to say direct that. to DVD or direct to streaming. It could be hard. C could be a Disney Plus original coming soon. <laughs> Stanley Tucci <laughs> and Patricia Clarkson. <laughs> Any IP they can they can reuse will will happen. So. I don't, and I don't then know. they can do the uh, "How I Met Your Mother" framing device, where the two of them were talking. To the, the, perfect. It works out perfectly, I guess. Uh, if they're willing to commit, I don't. I, I don't want a half baked uh, version of that. Where Where do you rank EZA among the uh, high school films? I thought about this as well. Breakfast Club, Ten Things I Hate About You, Mean Girls, and the one that actually uh, uh, has grown uh, um, in in its. Um, 
And my appreciation uh, is uh, the movie Saved. I feel like that one gets forgotten mm, about. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that religious aspect to it, though, that hook. So I do like that one. Uh, this It's a crowded subgenre. Uh, it has a fair share of what people deem as classics because Mean Girls is, is definitely a modern classic at this point. Uh, it's got a rabid cult following. Does Easy A rise above any of them? Like, I think it has its fans. People, it's a crowd pleaser, like I mentioned. But... I don't think it has broken through into classic territory. Where do you put it um, among those films? I mean, I think I think it's probably seen as a modern classic. Um, you mentioned Mean Girls. If you're going from that era, I would say Mean Girls would probably be number one of the the two thousands. I do. I I have a strange affinity for this time period uh in these type of films my my favorite is, is one we've actually covered which is nick and nora's infinite playlist that's that's the one i think that's 2008 um that's a little bit different because all of the all the shenanigans i guess i lean more dazed and confused that the shenanigans take place without any sort of parental supervision it's this little sub world of uh like you know high school culture and what they're doing outside of of school uh, I, I think because of Emma Stone, this one, you know, uh, remains a classic. If, you know, Mean Girls uh, at the time probably was the easy A as far as the launching pad for, for Lindsay Lohan. And that just, you know, just didn't work out. Uh, but the material, I think, is stronger than, than easy A. Um, the, you know, the modern day Heathers, I think, um, is more effective than the modern day uh, Scarlet Letter that they're attempting here, but uh, Emma Stone will carry this through because as she remains a star, uh, I think people will keep going back and checking it out. So it'll it'll improve its sort of longevity. Uh, Nick and Norris Infinite Playlist. I can't really say the same. I think it has a diehard fan base, but I don't think that Cat uh, Dennings and Michael Sarah have necessarily uh, caused people to go back and see you know one of their their earlier works. But uh, you know you're comparing it to the '80s stuff, which it, it references. Um, you know, John Hughes material. Um, I have a, like a side question to you. Do you think that stuff will ever die out? Because it was, it was popular because I remember being in middle school and having the teachers show us like the breakfast club. And it's like, they're showing me this because this was their movie <laughs> when they were you know, like a young adult. And so I'm wondering when does that stuff to die, die off? Like, is there a teacher showing kids like mean girls like in class when they're wanting to like like have like this little fun day at the movies and be like hey here's how you don't treat because that's how breakfast clothes framed as like a teaching device i'm like you're just showing us one of your favorite movies like <laughs> you're saying this is like <laughs> how you all should like connect with each other um do you do you think it's just a generational thing that's like as as you know young adults from the 2000s come up that you'll start seeing this stuff get that replay ability much like christmas movies you know how christmas movies just have that sort of they just stick because every year they just are on television or people just want a Christmas movie. So what, what do you think? Do you think that we'll eventually get far enough away from the eighties that these newer ones will take over the Sir John Hughes classics, which are problematic. Certain ones <laughs> I think may, you know, <laughs> may have to be put aside for some, uh, you know, racist humor, but uh breakfast club probably will, will remain. 16 Candles is, uh, you know, I was talking to my uh, brother about this. Uh, Aero Video was having a, a physical media sale, and I saw, I spotted it at the Barnes & Noble for like 50% off, 16 Candles. I was like, 
I was like, I want to revisit it, but I am worried about uh, some of the, the Asian humor in it. And my brother said the exact, he's like, you know what? It was still good despite that. So, because uh, uh, he saw it recently. Um, I don't think that, God, it's, it's probably my own bias, but Breakfast Club, I think, will stand the test of time. I think it will. Uh, I think some of those 80s ones, yeah, they'll not die out, but they'll become more... Uh, contextualized. I think it'll be, people will be able to say, "Oh yeah, that was from the '80s, and it's a good example of that time period." And but there's some, there's still a lesson for you can take. Breakfast Club does it just right. Again, one of those lightning in the bottle type uh, situations where you have these five characters, and they all represent a different aspect of high school. Whether you fit exactly into one of these is debatable, but there's no doubt that you do pull from at least one or two of them. I think if you go to high school, the more things change, the more they say the same type deal, where the high school experience is never really going to become revolutionized or change so much so, because ultimately the people that make up the high school experience are the students. And they the, the process of growing up is always going to be filled with the same challenges, uh, and Breakfast Club just does it right. Um, I, I pulled up a quick list just to see, I was like, maybe is, is there something out there that uh, kind of puts these films all together? And... and uh, Entertainment Weekly is not the be-all, end-all uh, <laughs> publication for, for cinema, but they did do uh, an updated version of their top uh, high school movies, uh, and they updated it uh, this year. Um, ECA is number 14 out of 50. So oh, okay. uh, they, they've labeled it very high. The, number one is still Breakfast Club. So I, I don't expect that to change uh, anytime soon. Uh, 16 Candles is number eight. Oh. Horrible racist at Entertainment Weekly. Where is Dazed and Confused? That's what I want to know. It's number three. There, number three. There is one above it. Can you guess it? It's a, it's another eighties film. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know because Breakfast Club is the only one that I have not seen it. But number two is Fast Times at Ridgemount High. Hmm, I don't okay. know if the. I'm not sure if is that a. Uh, just another like teen sex type comedy. Uh, it takes place in high school, or is it actual something like, oh, I'm gonna take a lesson away from this? It leans more uh, easy A, which means for for my money, it's above Breakfast Club because like, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Breakfast Club. The defining moment for me watching it was watching it in school and having. Uh, all of us and one uh, classmate in particular call it bullshit. <laughs> <Say that>. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he went on a huge rant against the teacher because he was he was definitely more you know the sort of outsider, the one that was in detention a lot. So he he did not care for the bad boy. Uh, the the film, the resolution being that he was going to get to fuck Molly Ringwald, and he made that clear that that was never going to happen for him, and he didn't want to watch movies telling them that it would because it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, easy, A. Eh? Well, I, I'm very interested because, you know, my, uh, uh, my daughter is growing up way too quickly, and before you know it, I think we're going to be watching Easy A. Eh? As much as I say, like, ah, I'm not going to watch it again, I'm probably going to watch it again with my kids. Well, there's okay, see. there's another question. As a parent... Um, I mean, do you think the 80s stuff, I mean, it's going to be really, that that world's going to be like an alien subculture there. Um, do you think just from a content perspective, like, do you start with the stuff from the 2000s and then move back to the, the 80s? Like, what do you think as a parent you're more comfortable with as far as the teen targeted movies? Which which generation do you think is more acceptable? Ooh, 
Yeah, that's that's tricky. I mean, you know what? I always also wonder about just the way the films are made. I feel like older films have a different pacing and a more methodical uh, construction about them. So I guess I'm going to start with like Seven Samurai. I'm going to start early in cinema and then work our way up. (laughs) This young lady's going to hate movies. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? When it comes to high school films, I'm going to start with Carrie and be like, this is, this might be what, and then we'll work our way to Easy A. Did Carrie make that list? Because it should have. It did! It did. It's number 15. It's right below Easy A. (laughs) So there you go. 